0: This Morning. I want to be in Galatians chapter six. So, for anyone who's kind of, if you're a Bible nerd or if you kind of know what's in Galatians chapter six, you're probably thinking, "Oh no, that's the that's the circumcision chapter." And uh, I didn't think that would be a great approach for family Sunday, since you know we have, we invited our kids and all of our children in here. Um, I'll let Philip. Maybe next family Sunday, I'll probably let Philip take that one. But I'm going to specifically be Galatians chapter 6, verses 7, 8, and 9. And uh, I kind of want to set up Galatians because I think it's important to understand, you know, where Paul's coming from. Because So Paul writes the book of Galatians. It's, it's a series of letters to a number of churches in the region of Galatia. Uh, at this point in Paul's mission, there are... Jewish believers, that is their ethnicity, is they are Jewish believers, but there's also as many non-Jewish believers. And there's kind of some unfair treatment going on in these churches. Uh, part of the book of Galatians is the church victorious over legalism. And so the problem, Paul's, you know, the pro- Paul is having issues with legalists. Uh, legalists are people who add to the Bible and judge those who don't follow what they add. And that's kind of the, the big picture of what's going on. So these non-Jewish Christians, you know, it's, a, it's amazing that the gospel is reaching outside of just one ethnicity, but there's kind of some unfair treatment. Uh, and that, So Paul's writing this in a place of sadness, in a place of frustration, and I kind of summed up the books of Galatians. Um, so chapter one, there's one gospel, follow it. Chapter two, it's about Jesus, not the law. Chapter three, don't be tricked, the gospel's better than the law. Chapter four. No, for real though, it is. (laughs) Chapter five. We're free and we're led by the Spirit, and then Chapter six, which holds a special place in my heart. But so, don't give up and don't go back to the flesh. So, anyone who's like been around sports or seen sports movies, I, me being in football, I remember like we're like for Elgin. Unfortunately, it was every week. We go, we're down in the half, we're we're losing, and we have like a frustrated coach, and he's like giving us his motivation speech. Like, hey, don't give up. This is his Friday night light speech his remember the Titan speech that that's kind of this is Paul's version of that he, he's he's saddened, he's frustrated about what's going on he's writing to these churches and he's kind of breaking down the gospel but in chapter six is like his his charge to not give up his his just all of his just hope he's trying to give you hope but he's also letting you know like preparing you hey I know this is tricky and I know this is challenging but do not give up because there's hope at the end of this. And that I think that's really important to understand as we go into this. So now I have a question: Are our lives just a bunch of random choices, emotions, and just random events, just a bunch of random moments, or is there something to it? Or because I feel like not just being in ministry, but just being involved in the culture at all, we're starting to see society drift further and further away from taking personal responsibility. It's just something we've noticed right? Uh, There's no, there's almost no accountability for your actions. It's never your fault. It's always someone else's fault or, or something's fault or, you know, the government's fault. It's always something else. It's, we're drifting further and further away from personal responsibility. And that's a scary thing, especially if you have kids or grandkids and seeing the young generation, it's like, man, that's a scary world. How, How does that play out? And so, what, what I love what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches something completely countercultural to that. The Bible doesn't teach that our our thoughts are just random and these little moments don't matter. But it teaches that our lives are a forest planted. It's, our lives are a forest made of the seeds we plant. So if we're planting depressing thoughts, we will live in a forest of depression. If we plant fruitful uh, fruitful seeds. We will have a fruitful sport, uh, forest. Use it uh, living by the fruits of the Spirit. That's, kind of, that's what the Bible's teaching. And so, what are seeds? I kind of touched on that already. Seeds are our emotions, the thoughts we choose to have, the choices we choose to make, and the choices we choose to surround ourselves, kind of the atmosphere we, we kind of lean into. So, Gal- Galatians 6, verse 7. Let's see, right here. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Th- this isn't Paul's like, take on agriculture, right? This isn't like the farmer's almanac or, or his like, take on what's going to grow this year. This is, this is him, like, like I said, from a place of frustration telling you, hey, look, this is as simple as I can explain it. If you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. If you plant grape seeds, you're going to get a grapevine. If you plant sunflower seeds, you're going to get a sunflower. What you plant is what comes out. The same thing is for your spiritual life. The thoughts you choose to have, the seeds you choose to plant, that's exactly what you're going to get out of your life. That's exactly, these little moments do matter. Everything has a price. Everything will have a consequence. And sometimes I feel like we try to go through life, way making certain choices having certain thoughts and we just kind of like write them off like oh it's okay i know my faith is bigger than that and we would just write them off as like guilty pleasures instead of like actually we try to go through life making some of these decisions kind of falling into sin here and there and not reap any consequence and so then we're kind of caught off guard it's like man why i mean it's just a couple of thoughts it's not that big a deal but then unfortunately we can find ourselves easily kind of spiraling out of control so Galatians 6, 8, whoever sows, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. That verse specifically really hits like a, a place in my heart. So I went through a, a, a number of challenging things when I was younger and I didn't start having like a strong relationship with God until... I was eight, which I know doesn't seem, sound like that big of a deal, but when I had no previous relationship it, it, and going through a series of just terrible, traumatic things, it was, it was kind of a change of pace to now be in a Christian environment and start building my relationship with God. And it, this was the first verse I ever memorized. I was in second grade, and I, I, rem, I, remember, I memorized it the way it was taught. If you follow your selfish desires, you will harvest destruction. But if you follow the spirit, you will harvest eternal life. And I love what it says. So basically, this is telling us there's two ways we could live our life. We could sow our seeds, all the moments in our life, whether we think they matter or not. All those moments are seeds. And we could choose to sow them to the flesh. We could sow them to the body. What that means is uh, when it talks about the body, that's any time that we find ourselves disconnected from God. For some of you, it might have been in high school doing crazy things. Maybe it was that time in college when you just listen to what the body wanted and not what the spirit wanted for you. And we're human. I, I know I've been there when I choose to, to lean into thoughts of worry or negative thoughts or thoughts of anger. We live in a world of sin and temptation where that's just a natural thing. But there's Galatians 6, 8. Paul's telling you it's basically there's two ways of life. There's corruption. So if we sow seeds to the, what the body wants and we sow seeds to the flesh, that leads to a life of corruption. But if we choose to kind of put our needs aside, put our wants aside, and sow seeds to the Spirit, we get life from the Spirit. And so I have a cool little chart. It's like an orange chart. So basically, like I said, all the moments in our lives matter, right? So any moment, no matter if we try to disregard it or not, those moments are seeds. Some of us have spiritual moments, moments of faith. Some of us have negative moments painful moments, moments of sadness, moments of depression, whatever moment we choose to lean into and hold on to and and let, like, grow in our life, that starts affecting our thoughts. Some people have very positive thoughts about their faith. Some people have very negative thoughts about their faith. Some people have positive attitudes about their mental health. Some people have very negative attitudes about their career, their faith. Whenever we start letting those moments affect our thoughts, that trickles down to our attitudes, which starts kind of changing our actions and then before we know it we've created habits. And we all know that once you got a habit going it's hard to break, right? I know I've been there. So like nothing, this cycle keeps going and now we've years of our life have gone by and now we have created a lifestyle, whether a healthy spiritual lifestyle or a lifestyle of corruption and falling into our selfish desires. So that that's really what it's boiling down to it's it seems easy right to live a life be good for a day right i just got to be good for this day or i just got to be good for this week or this month it's pretty easy like you go on a mission trip it's pretty easy to be good and make good choices and have good thoughts on a mission trip but then when you're back you're thrown into reality real quick and i've experienced that too it's it's nice when you're surrounded by a group of other believers in a different atmosphere but the second Bills and politics and everything hits at once, especially how discouraging that could be for us as adults. Can you imagine the younger generation in more confusing times? So. Now, uh, Galatians six, nine is where he's kind of starting to wrap everything up. He says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. we will reap a harvest if we do not give up." So I mentioned earlier that Galatians 6-8 was important to me personally. I, w- I, I didn't have, you, you probably by like looking at me you could kind of like guess my backstory, but you would probably be wrong. I didn't know my father, I didn't have like a strong family structure. Um, my, my mom, amazing woman, we have a great relationship now, but she had a lot of like issues going on. She was kind of living the party lifestyle and I was mostly raised by my grandparents. I grew up in Pecos, Texas, uh, where there's like cantaloupe and tumbleweeds and dirt and oil, and I didn't really have like a strong faith structure. It was just kind of living life, going through the motions. And then when my when my grandparents passed away, my whole life flipped upside down. I, I was taken away from my family more than uh, more than once, and dropped eight hours away in Taylor, Texas, where there's green grass and trees and ducks. And I went from a laxed family structure to a kind of a strict, a more strict Christian home and just repeatedly being part of the consequence that my family made, you know, my uncle, my mom, they kind of fell into this bad habit. They fell into this losing their parents kind of sent them spiral spiraling out of control. And they chose a life of destruction. They chose those selfish desires and they had to face consequences, but unfortunately, I was a part of that too. And I remembered one of the many times just going through counseling, I just wanted to give up. I, I couldn't understand how, how by the age of nine, I had already been through so much that no other kid has had to go through. Uh, I had to see things that most kids shouldn't have to see. And I was like, I don't get it. What's the point? And that could be real discouraging. But thankfully, God put a strong group of people in my life, Um, the family I was placed with and the church family I was surrounded by. They knew that that was a critical point in my life that because right there, that's like the origin story for living recklessly. Like, oh, you know, he has all the excuses in the world to to make bad decisions. He's basically served up this this origin story of living recklessly. And it's just are are you going to choose that path or are you going to choose a different one? But thankfully, God put the right people in my life who helped me understand that God had a bigger plan. There was a bigger purpose for me. Like God was saddened by the the unfortunate things and the consequences that I had to, to go through. But he was going to use me and use my story through that so that I could probably help inspire others. I could probably help other kids going through it. Or I could just minister to those who really just need to hear that kind of message. And I'm so glad I didn't give up because what seemed so hard and discouraging for me then, I couldn't imagine kids going through that now with how confusing time, times are now. I mean, it's a, whole, it's, it's a whole completely different world from when I was in high school. And it's sad to see the struggles that these kids have to go through because it, it's unnecessary. And they really do need strong spiritual leaders in their life, and they need support And they need that kind of, that fourth quarter coach motivational speech to not give up. In due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So I have kind of like this story to to kind of show you. So there's this lady, her name is Sarah Salen. She was a historian and then uh, she became a botanist. She was doing some research on, on these trees that were around the same time that Jesus was doing his ministry and living on this earth. It was a Jerusalem date tree. Uh, it would, the psalmist had written about it, and it was known they would use it for medicinal purposes. It produced this fruit that was basically used for multi purposes. So Sarah's doing research. She, she thinks this is a great idea, she thinks it's pretty cool. And uh, basically, this tree went, this plant went completely extinct, which I know you were thinking, how how can a plant go extinct? But I mean, maybe they're all burned down if no one's there to take care of them. Just I guess you could see it. Right. So this plant's declared extinct. This fruit hasn't been on the earth for 2000 years. Well, Sarah does some research and she finds that in an archaeological dig, they found some seeds that kind of resembled what a Jerusalem date tree would have looked like. So she takes a leap of faith and she reaches out, Hey, do you think I could have those seeds? And they were like, oh, They're 2,000 years old. They're, not, they're, they're, not, they're worth nothing. It's just a, a part of history now. And she was like, Well, no, I, I still want to try. I think it'd be pretty cool. So, of course, without any hesitation, they give her the seeds. And she reaches out to her friend Elaine, who, and Elaine's like, Oh, yeah, what do you want me to do with these? These are 2,000 year old seeds. They're not going to sprout. And she's like, well, we got to try. So they, they did some planting. It wasn't just like a random where they, they just tried to plant it in someone's backyard. They, they put in a thought of where would this tree be good, where can it thrive. So they, they plant one of the seeds and sprouts a, a beautiful a, a Jerusalem date tree. They name him Methuselah, uh, named after the oldest person in the Bible, which I thought was pretty cool. But who knew identity crisis exists in trees? Because I didn't know. They, they actually needed to produce the fruit. They needed a female tree. And so they only have like four seeds left. And they're like, oh, man, we, um, hopefully one of these seeds are a female seed. And luckily enough, it was. And they planted Hannah. And now this tree, this plant that hadn't been on the earth for 2,000 years, is now thriving and producing fruit for the first time. And I kind of have a quick video of that. Sara sent me these seeds, and then she said they're from Masada. So I said, "Oh, that's nice." And then she said, "Try to sprout them." So I said, "What? How old are they?" She said, "2,000 years old." So I said, "I can't sprout those." (laughs) She said, "Try." Nature has tricks up its sleeves. And it can let its seeds stay dormant for thousands of years. And we think it's gone extinct. And boom, it takes a pair of golden hands like Elaine's to bring it back to life. So for me, it's, it's a beacon. It's a symbol of hope. These magnificent trees, these famous Judean dates that the psalmists write about, disappeared completely. Disappeared completely. And that's why it's so exciting to bring them back today. I thought that was a pretty incredible story. And uh, I tell that for, for two reasons. The, the first reason is to remind us that no matter how small we think a moment is in our life or how small a thought is or, what, or maybe a guilty pleasure we choose to make, or the moments in our life do matter. They're not just a bunch of series of random seeds. They're, part of, they're the seeds that will plant the forest of our lives. It's, just up us, it's up to us to choose if we want to live that life of corruption or life that, from the Spirit. And I loved how even Elaine was like, man, there's no way I could sprout these. And sure enough, with time and planning, they brought this awesome tree back that hadn't been on the earth for 2,000 years. Every moment in our life, it does matter, and there is a purpose, and God has a plan the second reason I, I tell you this is to give you hope no matter what, I mean, no matter what is going on in life. Because we know we live in confusing times. We live in times of challenges and struggles. The world has always faced challenges and struggles and pain and hurt. I mean, the world is very familiar to that. And it's something that we unfortunately have to go through. And Paul knows that. He knows the struggle of that. But amazing things do still happen like that video. And like that story in general, and I'm just glad that I had a group of people in my life to encourage me and to help me understand what God really, who God is and what he desired for me, or else I probably would have given up. And I wouldn't have the impact in people's lives like I do today. I mean, I've had the amazing opportunity to kind of help these kids Understand, And it's sad to see what they have to go through because it's so unnecessary, some of the things that high schoolers, and middle schoolers, and just young kids have to experience. But we know what a life of sin, and when we sow seeds to the flesh, we know what that leads to. It leads to being sin capturing us, crippling us, and consuming us. But when we choose to plant our seeds in the Spirit, we are renewed by the spirit. We are released from our sin and we are restored through Christ. And that's an amazing thing. And I was kind of pacing, yo, I always wonder, man, is, is this really, cause this has been on my heart and I I just kind of wanted a sign. If uh, this is something God really wanted me to talk about. And so he, he gave me a pretty funny sign. My, my yard crew always comes and does my yard the same place for three years. And, uh, this wicked weed has <laughs> grown behind one of the cars I, I don't use very much. And uh, they, my team, they, they cleaned everything, they, they did the yard perfectly, but they left that one like wicked weed just growing behind. And I was like, you know what, that's too ironic. Maybe that's my sign I'm in the right spot. And so I just encourage you to just be mindful of the choices you make, the thoughts you choose to have because they're not little thoughts. They, have, they can have a huge impact. Whatever we, Every moment in our life is a seed that we plant. It's just, do we want to live a life in the Spirit, or do we want to live a life of sin? And I encourage you to not, not only think about that, but to help encourage today's young children, because they are going through something we've never experienced. Yeah, we've, we've, we have wisdom, and we've been through our own problems, but they're facing something that we've never seen before, and they need that encouragement now more than ever. And so with that in mind, let's kind of go to the Lord in prayer.